With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Hey, the good news is what a blessing that I run into so many great speakers, and then I'm able to invite them back to the show. And uh, Natalie Carrado is back, and also Donna Hetzler is here, uh, author and speaker. And I've got some good news stories, ladies. And then, Donna, um, I also uh, challenged you to bring a topic today. Yes. And so what are we going to talk about after the good news? We're going to talk about connection, the power of connectedness and why it is so important in your life. Oh, my gosh. So today I'm doing this mal- oh, this interview, and it was about this um, group of people back east, you know, um, over 100 years ago, and they couldn't figure out why they weren't dying and why they lived so long and didn't have the same health problems. And then um, they, they, they uh, came from Rome. And apparently they had a, con- a community connection that was unbelievable. And that's the only thing they could figure that actually was helping them live longer was their connectedness to each other, their connection in the community to family. And they had all these gatherings and the church would have all these festivals and they'd get together and they'd go house to house and they'd meet at the market and they'd talk over coffee. And uh, isn't that wild? That is so cool. I yes. love that. <laughs> Natalie, how are you, Natalie Carrado? Good. How are you? I'm, I'm doing glad to be quite here. well. Hey, and I just want to mention too a really cool thing. Natalie's husband does this performance training, and she uh, he works with young men, and I love that because he puts Christ into it. Tell him right. about the name of the businesses, and he's not a sponsor or anything. I just think this is super cool. <laughs> yeah, he has a gym on Dry Creek and I-25 called Sick Athletes. S I C. It's an acronym for Strength in Christ Athletes. I love that. So he does performance coaching for speed and agility camps for kids, all the way up to. Uh, semi-pro and pro athletes. And from what I've heard from parents of young men, mm-hmm. he has quite a powerful impact on them and helped you raise your boys into right. strong Christian men, which by the way, I also want to talk about that because you came from such a difficult background, much like I did. Mm-hmm. I want my kids to love the Lord like your boys do, uh, your brother whom you adopted when he was four, and then your own son, Charles. And so I want to talk a little bit about, think about a couple of tips for parents who want to raise Christ-centered kids, particularly to have two teenage boys that are that in love with the Lord. Now, I know your brother just turned, didn't he, 20? Yes, Yeah, so he's now no longer Charles a teen. Charles will be but, 18 in oh, a week. Oh, wow, gosh. Yeah, okay. Scary. I love it. You posted pictures that back when they still loved me, they were kissing you on your cheeks. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> All right, I've got one good news story I want to share, and this is an update. You may have heard about the repo man. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's not a fun job. I mean, people shoot at you. They right. run chase at they, they curse at you. You're taking a vehicle that they need that they haven't been paying for. So this poor little couple, they had a Buick. Of course, it was a Buick. They were making payments of around 100 bucks, you know, a month, and they fell behind. And after the repo man took it, remember, he felt guilty and called right away to find out how much it would be to pay it off. It reminded him, they reminded him of his own grandparents. Oh. So here's a little update and, and a little more on the story. It's super sweet. 
If you need to feel loved, Jim Ford says this is not the job for you. You're going to have people try to run you over with their car. For the last 20 years, he has worked as a repo man outside St. Louis. My car now. But this story isn't about his most disgruntled customers. It's about his most grateful. He was wonderful. Wonderful? Yes. I'm talking about the repo man. He was wonderful. I mean, he's the kindest man I ever met in all my life. Stan and Pat Kipping live in Redbud, Illinois. Stan, a Navy vet and retired janitor, is in the early stages of Alzheimer's. I love you. Well, I love you too, baby. They say they've never been rich, but they've never been this deep in debt either. The most devastating blow came just a few months back when they realized they couldn't even afford the $100 monthly payments on their 98 Buick Century. When he took the car, I just said, God, do whatever, whatever you think is best for us. They're like America's grandparents. I saw my grandparents in them, and I made it a block before I pulled over and called the bank, and I asked them if I could pay off the, pay off the past due amount. You must have cleaned it up a lot. Jim returned a few days later. He had the car detailed, the oil changed, even put a frozen turkey in the front. He also started a GoFundMe, which covered the late payments and then some. We paid off the whole car. The whole oh car? My oh, my God. Oh, my God. You have no car payment anymore. Oh, my God. Pay the whole thing off. Finally, he gave them an envelope with the extra money, more than $17,000 extra. How has this changed your outlook on life? There's good people out there. He's our guardian angel. There are good people out there, guardian angels. And sometimes you find them in the most unlikely places and professions. Because, although kindness is rarely a job, no matter what you do, it's always an option. Oh, I love that story. And I have to say that those stories make me give me that like reassurance or, or, you know, nudge that I should keep doing the good news. I think when you hear things about, you know, ISIS on the news or mass shootings That's or right. that you forget the what's in people. In fact, during that Fort Lauderdale airport shooting, mm. there was an um, older man that jumped on top of, per, of a perfect stranger, a woman, and said, I'll protect you and put his body on yes. top of hers. Yes. Now, he did not die. He made it. But come on, a stranger risked his own life for her. And I think I believe she was a single mom, if I recall. I read so many news stories. Right, you do but with that said, you know, there is so much kindness in the world. It doesn't make the news. And that's the one thing that people repeated to me over and over again. When I was in TV news, I had a great career. I wasn't unhappy about it. But people said over and over again, oh, you work in the news? Oh, I hate the news. It's so depressing. Can't you people ever do good news? I cannot tell you how many times people told me that. And so just hearing a story like that gives me that nudge. That and you totally I flipped do. it around and, yeah. and you share the good news. One thing in that story I really liked is the, the elderly woman said, God, do whatever is best for us. And she just totally let go of her situation and you know it's just so important to let go and quit holding on so tight and in a circumstance like this when you can say you know God whatever your will is you know let it be done and when she let go she got that huge blessing $17,000 that's a that's lot awesome. I, yeah. I, I love that Nat, did you like that one? I loved it. It was, I mean, those stories are just so uplifting because the people that you expect to be so mean and horrible, I mean, they tur he's the one who turned out to start a GoFundMe page. I mean, that's just such a blessing. I'm telling you, Producer Dave, 
Anytime we hear a story like that about like just having faith and to let go. And um, I think of the grandfather raising his four granddaughters and he was going through the trash. Oh, yes, Donna, I remember to that. To get cans. And he only he made like less than $100 like extra a month uh, collecting cans. And then someone had like a heart for what he was doing and started to go fund me for him. And he was like, oh, praise Jesus. I've been praying about this for 20 years. I knew God was going to come through. And he's mm-hmm. practically blind. He's a veteran. He has a heart. I mean, he is in rough shape for being in his 60s. But these four little girls granddaughters that he's raising that he is everything to them and yep. he believed that god was going to come through for him i That's loved right. that story it's one of my favorite stories of mine like too the whole, you know it's 2016 amazing. okay uh i want to talk a little bit about a connection and then natalie um, you've got an 18 and a 20 year old who are really in love with jesus boys and i want to talk about your tips for raising uh you know young people who love the lord I, and then you donna hetzler want to talk about connection yes you're an author and speaker and you have women's conferences what is such a big deal? Why do we have to be connected? I like to stay home. I want to read my own Bible. I want to have alone time with God. Why do I need others, Donna Hetzler? My husband's the same way. He's so introverted. And we were on vacation and he found this hat that says no new friends. And I'm like, oh, you so need that. Oh That's God. so him. Like, I'm just going to sit at home with no new friends. I got my inner circle. Oh I am gosh, good. And I just so, so laughed at him. And don't, aren't you grateful for, I have many friends who have a ton of friends and uh-huh. who've let me in their inner circle and they become, one of my friends are Arlene's like a second mom to me right. and um, another girlfriend Cindy is like a sister to me mm-hmm. and I'm like thank goodness they let me in their inner circle they already have yeah. enough people in there <laughs> and they must have bumped somebody to get me in there <laughs> and I'm so grateful because at our age you know you're grown or you've got kids or teenagers or whatever it's more it's difficult hard to find yes. someone really special it really is so what I did was I actually am doing a little research and I pulled my ladies the Jericho girls and uh, some people from my that follow my blog and I said what is your deepest need right now as a woman oh she uh, natalie she does not mess around donna like I'm gets sure. to it she will like we'll pull a woman aside we'll find out and she just like she doesn't let it go she's like oh what's going on what's your deepest need is i mean she is your digs. soul yeah how she are did. you today? it's not yeah. just like how are you fine thank you okay oh, good no and good. i walked in yeah. today i said i'm fine and she's like no how are you <laughs> i get it <laughs> Okay, so yes. you say, now how do you pull someone aside and say, how, what's your deepest need? Because it's pretty deep. You don't do that like at the drive-thru. No, definitely not at the drive-thru. They'll think we're cuckoo, but, <laughs> um, you know, with people in your inner circle or friends or like when Natalie came in today, you know, she she just looked like, oh, thank goodness, you know, I'm here and what yeah, have you. Yeah, running late and you're frazzled. And yeah. I was running late today, too. And and so, anyways, we just got to talking and, and she's like, well, I'm good. And I'm like, no, you're, you're running a lot, aren't you? Or how are you really doing? And so it's just about getting past that layer of um, Mm -hmm. surface and diving deep into transparency and authenticity. So when I polled my ladies, I said, what's your biggest need? Um, as a woman, and they said connection. You really? know, yeah. I do you... love it though. I'll like, oh, do I have to go to lunch with my friend? Ah, I'm so tired. <laughs> I don't want to go. I got up at three in the morning. Blah. I know. And then when I'm done, I'm like, oh, oh that, that was, was so heavenly. Right, right, right. So all the response, which really surprised me, because so many of us are involved in, you know, um, business groups and Bible studies and women's connection groups, and we're still longing for that deeper connection, and we just can't get past the surface. And so that was the response was I'm longing for deep connection with women getting past you know just talking about the basic things that are going on in the day and being able to trust to laugh again um, to connect in that deep level so it's really a felt need for women and they're missing the mark which is really you know disheartening to me 
I think we're not Christians on an island. And even though Natalie live in the middle of nowhere, um, <laughs> it, it does you know feel like we're on an island sometimes mm-hmm. because we get too busy and we shut people out. And we're afraid to make commitments because we're so overextended. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think without that connection, I just don't. I love listening to Charles Stanley, and he's like, "That's great. You're listening to my sermon, Angie." And he doesn't say Angie. That's great. <laughs> listen to my sermon, but we're not meant to be Christians on an island. You, That's you right. need mm-hmm. to be connected right. to other Christians, and I especially like the accountability factor of being. Connected to other Christians. And it's interesting that you say time because that was the the number two issue. So when I responded back, okay, what is holding you back from connection? Many of them said time. We're moms, we're business women, we are busy, you know, we just don't have the time. So the Jericho girls are doing a study right now, and we actually are connecting with the power of three. So even though our groups are bigger, we are connecting with three and we are making time margins in our schedules to support one another. So my three, we are texting um, three times a week. How can I pray for you? What's going on? How's your soul? Deep questions. We have, you'll laugh at this, we have a 10-minute phone conference call twice a month, and we've decided we're going to do the man version and get down to the nitty-gritty. So we're not going to, so, you know, it's like a little over three minutes per woman to talk in 10 minutes. So you really have to figure out what's my need and and this is how you can pray for me and um, then we have an optional get together once a month too so I'm actually doing a slumber party with my three at my house and we're gonna um, do a sleepover watch movies and then talk deep stuff so anyways we're doing the study right now I'll let you know how it pans out but we are thirsty for connection so we've got to make that time to do it and why not do some of those fun things you did as a kid together you know Uh, when when they're like jumpaline birthday parties I'm like the only mom that gets out there and I'm I want to do jumpaline (laughs) and so and I love the idea of a sleepover with your friends the power of three by the way for a play date does not work well power of four works better on a play Mm -hmm. date I've heard that (laughs) yeah yeah power of four all right Natalie Carrado well and real quickly Donna how to people find uh, Jericho Girls? You can go to DonnaHetzler.com and uh, there is a tab for Jericho Girls and we'll connect you. Excellent. That's yeah. great. Well, I have a ladies Bible study real quick that you do at home, don't you? Right. You for did. the last 10 years. Oh, wow. And um, we, you know, it takes a good hour for them to really start <gasps> warming up. Really? Warming up. Mm-hmm. And we've been the same group of girls up to 12 of us at times that have wow. met for years. And it's just amazing that, you know, by the end of the night, someone brings out their major hurt or pain really? or issue. But it and takes an hour to does. warm and up. And then it's kind of it too does. late because it's well, like everybody's ready to go home. It's like, tell. oh, gosh. <laughs> My girls know we go till midnight oh. So. <laughs> oh yeah they get it out wow yeah all right well and um you do uh, the other thing i like that you do and i think it's such a great idea because i like to hike i really am not a lunch person i couldn't mm-hmm. care less about lunch i'd rather just make have my own apple and you know almond butter or whatever um you do like hikes before where you gather mm-hmm. a bunch of christian gals to take like a hike and yeah. so i'm going to be doing that with one of my girlfriends who really likes to hike and That's so do fun. i and so it's a great way and i walk with another girlfriend of mine twice a week and she's like an accountability partner so it's a really mm-hmm. nice thing so to important. have her that yeah I've I heard like of that. ladies doing it at the gym, but I'm just so out of breath when I'm on the treadmill. I'm like, I'd oh. rather just go hike and go no. at our own pace. Yes. Well, I don't think we get out of breath really when we walk the track at the 24 hour fitness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, Natalie Carrado, you adopted your brother when he was four, and but he knows he's your brother. He is right. raised as your brother. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your own son, uh, Charles. He's now 18. So the boys are 
uh, really on board with Christ. Your husband is a really great role model. Mm-hmm. Um, he helped you raise your boys, and he's been in their lives how many years? Ten. Well, Ten. eleven. We started okay. dating eleven years ago. Married. So Charles years. was seven. Yep, seven okay. and nine. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so let's talk about um, some tips for raising Christ in our boys because your boys are into it. I mean, they're just well, like not kind of I mean, like, oh, I got to church on Sunday. They're pretty into it. Right. Well, they struggled. I mean, they obviously are going to have their struggles. But I think what's helped, kind of some tips of what's helped is we did read the one-year Bible together for years, kind of over and over again as really? a family where I read and they had to follow along. <laughs> and, you know, it wasn't as much legalistic, but they enjoyed the stories, you know, and it was the New Living Translation, so it was a little bit easier for them to understand. Um, since then, I think the messages come out, and that's, I hear, even yeah, easier. I have so, that one. Yeah, yeah, it is. I just sent it to my nephew and my good. brother. Good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's good for beginners, for yeah, sure. But absolutely. It, it, it was great for us because we just read it, you know, throughout the year. And it was only, you know, about 15 minutes a night. And it really just got them on track and kind of a, um, you know, fa- solid foundation for their faith and okay. what they believe in. Okay. Um, also, having them serve with you is so important important because they, oh, yeah. you know, hear the stories. Uh, luckily, my husband's had an outreach homeless ministry called Loved by Christ Ministries downtown where they go and, and meet the needs of the homeless every Tuesday, Thursday, and they purchase 120 hamburgers because the people do like a hot meal if possible. And they just kind of go to all of their spots in the different alleys of where they know they're going to be. And my kids have been doing that ministry. It is a little bit dangerous, but I trust, you know, my husband can protect them. Um, but they have served with him for so long. So they got really? to see how these people live on the streets and, and that's the real deal like my kids have yeah. um, served in like mm-hmm. a shelter mm-hmm. but that's sanitized compared to actually right. being out on the streets so right. the boys would be with him seeing where these people lived in the bushes or wherever on yeah. the bench or wherever I did hear a funny you know I hear stories years later of from the kids because they don't boys just don't come home and spill everything right. um, but yesterday um, Cody my husband's little brother is 18 and he lives with us too so wow, you got a lot of uh, yes, teenage boys around we do we do. He's in the car right now. Oh my gosh! That's <laughs> yeah, hilarious. he was scared to come up. Um, anyhow, he said, "Yeah, did you hear about that one time where Charles almost got tased by that woman? He tried to give her a cheeseburger, and she just went, <laughs> you know, and no. the butt." I can see boys thinking that's cool. Oh my gosh, I got tased. Oh, oh yeah, they do. They tase trying, each other. Lady, I'm just trying to give you a little boy I'm trying to give you a cheeseburger. <laughs> well, well, this was about, about a year ago. But but think about being a uh, homeless woman. Right. How um, vulnerable you are, and absolutely. Like, uh, w- how many of those women are victims. Right, yeah. exactly. So she did scared. get a cheeseburger? Um, he tried. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I've Whatever. got a friend who's on the LAPD, and he works specifically in Skid Row, which is like oh, the homeless part yeah. of LA. Rough. It's the worst. Pla- like, it's crazy. It's like 15 blocks of Well, and it's like the whole, the burning in the barrels. And yeah, like exactly. The it's like this huge, it's like a, yeah, mm-hmm. it's the craziest thing yep. I've ever seen. But yep. he's got some crazy stories about people like that. Like, people you're imagine. trying to help, and then they fight, and then, right. I mean, his friends all, you know, they die. Mm-hmm. Just because they live on the streets, it's and so hard. And a lot of them hard. are in their right mind, sadly. Yeah, you know, well, yeah. And I was I just reading, it's... you know, we have an affiliate in Portland, and I was just reading, I believe it's the third death in Portland this year. A woman um, died because of the exposure to the cold, and uh, I believe she was in her late 50s, and she'd been in an apartment for needy people for approximately seven years, but she's schizophrenic, as was my brother who was murdered. And, you know, when they have an episode, apparently she some, some weird things had started happening. She had seven great years at the apartment complex, Ended up on the streets. Her family didn't really know. And then she died in a parking garage oh, because of exposure. Yeah. So a lot of the people that are homeless, you know, aren't 
our just our mental health, you know, mm-hmm. uh, options in our country. It's really tough for right. people who are underprivileged. I have such a heart. For and them. there's not enough services no. for them. And you know, everyone has there. a story. Yes, you have my, to absolutely. That. My little brother's actually in an apartment in the Pacific Northwest for people who I think it's is it 150 or 300 a month. I mean, if mm-hmm. without that, because he's on disability and he hears voices, and I don't know what his formal diagnosis is, but I'm assuming it's probably schizophrenic. Uh, he that he's probably schizophrenic as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is has been such a saving grace. This is the longest period of time Mm. in his adult life, and he's in his 40s, that he's lived in one location and not been homeless three years. Wow. Wow, That's something. And it's amazing to me how many people are affected by schizophrenia, because Mm -hmm. my sister is too, and she lives at home and is 40-year-old adult woman, and you know, every time they tweak her medicines, it's a crash, and it's it's a struggle. And Yeah, when they tweak the medicines, Mm -hmm. the voices can come back, or they have to adjust. All right, any more tips, Nat, Uh, for Racing Team Boys? Last one is just, you have to remember that these children of ours belong to the Lord. They don't belong to us, and they're just lent to us, and that helps me let go and not have so much control. All right, Natalie is a real estate agent. I've known her for years. I highly recommend her. Natalie, how do they reach you? Uh, livingdenver.com, and I'm with 3 Max, but livingdenver.com, you can find all you need. And if someone wants to find out, hey, I'm wondering how much my home would be listed for right now, they can call you, ask questions, yes, whatever call, they need. email, text, Facebook, I'll respond. <laughs> all I love it. Communication. Donna, your website? DonnaHetzler.com. All right, we'll be right back. Good news of Jesus for you in high definition radio and streaming at 670kltt.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. Hi, it's Angie with the good news. I want to tell you about a little boy, Carson. He's eight years old and his mom died of breast cancer. And I would love it if you would sponsor him for some art classes. Also, he doesn't like talking about his feelings after losing his mom. So he's taking dance and movement classes and that therapy costs about $100. And so if you would like to sponsor eight-year-old Carson who lost his mom to breast cancer to these classes that he really enjoys, the Doreen Katz Memorial Cancer Foundation would love to help. 720-530-9482 or go to DoreenKatzMemorial.org. Hi, it's Angie. Hey, would you like to donate items? You know, maybe some old sporting equipment, old furniture, old clothing. You'd like the tax write-off. You'd like to help others, but it's kind of a hassle to gather it all up and drop it off, and you're just too busy. Well, guess what? Art Thrift Stores, they will come right to you, to your house, pick up your items, and leave you your tax write-off donation form. How do you do that? Call 303-238-JANE, 238-5263. And again, all of these items that you donate, they help people right in our own community. Uh, they help people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And what better thing to do with your items that you no longer need than to help others? I shop at ARC all the time. I get my kids sporting equipment, gotten a rocking chair. I've gotten boots there. I have a purse that's amazing that still had the tags on it. It's a coach bag, and I got it at ARC. I shop there, and I help others, and I donate my items about once every month or two. And I call 303-238-JANE, and they come right to my house with the truck, and they pick everything up. Here, check it out. Again, 303-238-JANE. Natalie Corrado of Remax is the realtor that truly does it all. But don't take my word for it. Just listen to some of the reviews from her website, livingdenver.com. Valerie in Highlands Ranch said, Natalie's knowledge and expertise, as well as her professionalism and warm personality, more than exceeded our expectations. My mother stated that we need to clone her. And how about Jen in Parker? What else to say about Natalie Corrado except amazing? She made the home buying process stress-free and easy. 
And just listen to what Courtney and Kylan of Castle Rock said. We couldn't have asked for a smoother transaction. And definitely could not have done it without Natalie as our realtor. If you use Natalie, you're not going to regret it. She is the best. When you have Natalie on your side, you won't be wondering if you made the right choice. It doesn't matter if you are selling your house, buying a new house, or both. Find Natalie Corrado at Remax Realtors at livingdenver.com, and she will get the job done. Welcome back to the Good News. Angie Austin here on the Good News, and this is an adult topic today. And, um, you know, much of the good news has to do with the healing power of Jesus, uh, you know, how Christ can uh, come into someone's life and uh, heal the pains of the past and allow for forgiveness for people who are victims. And uh, today we have a, a testimony, a beautiful a testimony of healing and forgiveness. Vanessa Johnson is joining us. And uh, if you want to find out more about her, you can go to Thrive2, the number two, thrivetoheal.com. And basically she is a spokesperson and advocate for survivors of child sexual abuse. And again, an adult topic today, and on the website it says, it's time for survivors to break their silence and shout with a voice of triumph over the pain and devastation this disease has caused in our lives. In order for that uh, to occur, healing must take place. And so Vanessa Johnson is our guest today. Welcome, Vanessa. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. All right, let's talk about this calling that uh, you have to help other survivors of child sexual abuse, because I feel like so many topics, even in the Christian faith, seem to be off limits, and so people are left to kind of heal alone, and that when they, you know, meet and hear from other survivors, obviously that helps in their healing process because they feel that they're not alone. Absolutely, and that is a great place to start. You know, it is quite the journey, um, to go from um, being a victim and living with a mentality that you're always going to be in a place of hurt to realizing that God can, if you let him in your heart, um, take you to a place of healing that eventually puts you and propels you to your divine destiny and purpose in God. And that was what my journey was about. And it was a scary thing because you're talking about being very sensitive to uh, family members and, and, and keeping the focus on the healing process and not about hurting other individuals or causing pain for any other individuals. But just like you said, connecting to those individuals who have experienced trauma and pain in their lives and letting them know that healing is quite real. So I am very excited to be assigned this task by God, but it definitely was a journey. So let's talk about your book and, uh, you know, when you felt called to do that, because obviously that transparency, talking about things in your childhood that are that painful, that sensitive, uh, takes some time to be able to disclose those things. So uh, let's talk about the book and, uh, you know, a little about it and when you felt called to write it. Okay, wonderful. Um, I felt called to write the book, I think, as I was um, just kind of living out, you know, just being in that place of healing, but knowing that there was more. Um, it was almost like a little tug in my heart and my spirit. And the other thing is I'm a journaler. I've been journaling for years and years and years. And so um, I, was, I remember just reading the Word of God and hearing God say, it's time to write. 
And I said, oh, my goodness, you know, um, we had a young son who was very active in sports, another son who was in college playing sports, and there was a lot going on with, the, you know, serving in the church. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, God, when am I going to have time to do this? And he said to me, you've already begun. And I began to look Ah. back at the journals where I started having these conversations with God. I always started with, dear God, and I was very real and open and honest. It Mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily always a love letter. Mm -hmm. It was, I don't understand. I'm still angry. Um, Just, you know, just being very transparent with God. And I think that openness and that transparency allowed God to do a great healing work, but it also prepared me to share that process with someone else. So my book does tell about my story, but I think it was important to God that people understand that there's a journey to a place of healing. Yeah. And if you so choose, it is a wonderful ending ending to that place of pain, but a beginning to your destiny. And again, uh, Vanessa Johnson is our speaker. Thrive, A Call to Healing is the book. So let's go back in your testimony. I know that on your bio it talks about an uncle who, uh, you know, molested you and another incident, you know, earlier in life when you were, you know, a smaller child even. Uh, Let's talk about, you know, how your faith, uh, you know, came to play in this and just kind of go back in your story in terms of, you know, your testimony and the Jesus aspect of your uh, story. Um, Yes, wonderful. Well, you know, um, my story isn't unlike a lot of unspoken stories where I was raised um, by alcoholic parents and um, a lot of families, many families have this occur. It's very cyclical. My mother was abused by my grandfather. Um, and then there was also periods of incest within that family line as well. Um, so in order to deal with some of that pain um, or a lot of that pain she went through, my mother turned to alcohol. And so my father was an alcoholic as well. And so that just really left me open um, for the enemy to really try and destroy uh, my destiny. And, you know, uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, the pain and the cycle, you know, what's amazing about my story is, you know, my mother, we, we, I was born and raised in Baltimore, and we moved from Baltimore because things became very violent in that area at the time. Um, early 70s. And so we moved to Virginia and we moved right back to the place, the scene of my mother's trauma. And I often said to myself, why would you put me there? Why would you put me and my sister, why would you put us right back in the same place around the same people? But when you are not healed, you kind of, and, and I feel like you stay in a mode of just being able to survive, to live, just to make it through another day. Everything right. else is kind of beyond your thought process. So, um, you know, I became prey uh, for my uncle, and because of the alcoholism and the, and the focus, I'm literally feet, uh, I would say maybe six or seven feet away from my parents as they're gambling and playing cards. I'm in another room where my uncle has me, and no one's asking where I am. No one's saying, where are you? And I'm saying all of that because you can think to yourself, wow, that would cause a lot of rage and anger and confusion to begin to develop and fester in a person, and it did. It really, really did. But here is where God stepped in. In the midst of all of that, 
where I really was living a life and going down a path that should have just been totally destructive, even to this point in my life. I met a young man whose mother was an evangelist. And for whatever reason, she really took to me. And I began to travel with her um, as she would go and speak. And on one of the occasions where she was speaking, I accepted Christ. And right then and there, I I could literally feel that my life was about to change. Um, things just started to shift, and it was almost like I could see myself in a different place. I could see myself free. I could see myself happy, but I still had to do some work. And, well, you know, the I'm one just, thing that, I had... I just, go, go it's, it's fascinating to me, even as a Christian, that you saw that glimmer of light because you probably didn't feel a lot of hope prior to that. No. No, not at all. I just felt a lot of despair, and it just, and it was, it was like I was being introduced. Um, to, if you think of yourself kind of in a hole, in a dark place, and you keep seeing a glimmer of light, but you know it comes, it goes, and you're there. It was almost like my salvation was the hand that reached down into the hole and began to help me uh, come out of there. But wow. I'm climbing as the hand is pulling me. I'm climbing. I'm making the effort to get out of there. I had someone tell me, um, they said, you know, young girl, she said, Miss Vanessa, your book is a hard read. And I said, really? I said, I thought it was, you know, I thought God made it pretty practical. She said, yeah, but as a victim, we want everyone else to do the work. We want everyone to to participate and take ownership of our healing because I'm the victim. Right, so and they may never take. They may never take ownership. They may never be part of the feeling. Exactly. The only thing they may ever get exactly. is your forgiveness. They may never accept responsibility. And you know, exactly. my mom, having been through so much physical abuse in her childhood and her uh, uh, adulthood within her marriage, I, I still feel sad to say that she's still in the victim chair. And I feel like every day they mm. still get to have that power over her because um, exactly. maybe she hasn't realized that. She's responsible for the healing, not the people that uh, were abusive towards her, because, you know, many of those people are no no longer alive, for that matter, like her parents, and uh, that they're no longer in her life, but they still have this, like, hold on her uh, because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of hard work to do, which isn't fair to the victim. The victim knows, like, it's not my fault this happened to me, but then I've got to do the work and work through the pain to get over what they did to me, and unfortunately, that is the case. It is the case. God spoke something very powerful to me. He said, healing is not about knowing why. Healing is about choosing to heal in spite of not knowing. So there are certain barriers that we actually have to get by or move past within our thought process and in our emotions so that we can understand how much power we will then have over that place of pain, you know, and not to, you know, you said it perfectly, not to stay in that place or that victim mentality, because then you always expect to be hurt. You always expect disappointment to come. Um, But when you understand that you have it within yourself, and I say this all the time, healing starts with a choice. And I am choosing to not live in this place of pain. I'm choosing to move forward. And I'm choosing to do something that people say is very hard, and it's a process. I'm choosing to forgive because then I actually sever the connection. I no longer allow my past to operate in my present. 
you know, you mentioned about, um, you know, assuming the worst or that people are out to get you. I think that when you stay in that victim chair, as I call it, you know, the lazy boy victim chair of life, when you blame others for where you are and what you haven't attained, because many people have, uh, you know, uh, experienced, you know, letdowns and abuse, maybe not as, you know, problematic and as painful as uh, childhood sexual abuse, as you talk about in Thrive. But um, those disappointments, I think, then if you can't heal, if you don't forgive, it's like your whole life is colored by these gray glasses. And whenever anything, yes. is, whenever anything is done, you assume the worst of the person doing it. You assume that their ulterior motives are negative or harmful uh, to do wrong to you. And oftentimes when my mom makes the assumption that something or someone was out to get her, and I'll never forget the example that was the most ridiculous. She was stopped in the street by someone that was... Um, doing road work and it was one of the guys you know with the flag saying stop and she's like mm -hmm. he singled me out and he stopped me i said no mom he's a you're a slow driver there was a break in traffic that's why he singled you out but i thought that's an example of even the guy with the sign on the roadside somehow she feels is singling her out now to get her or maybe even she goes through uh an airport and she's getting checked by uh tsa somehow she feels they've singled her out to uh give her an extra search or be extra rude to her or a waitress doesn't bring something in she sees it as that they've mm -hmm. done something specifically mm -hmm. mean to her and I'm like mom not every opportunity in life is a you know an opportunity for people to hurt you or single you out I said no offense but most people are too wrapped up in themselves to care whether or not they're uh, singling you out they're not paying attention to you and you think it's all about you and in a way it's almost a selfish way of looking at life that everyone is trying to hurt me and I'm I sound judgmental, but having grown up around that, um, I guess right, I, right. I just don't want to see other people get trapped in that because I think it robs you of the joy that you could have in a life uh, that is filled with healing and forgiveness and that you think that forgiving this person somehow is letting them off the hook. No, it's letting you off the hook. It's letting you off the hook. You said it so wonderfully. And one of, the, one of the things that I talk about in my coaching or when I do workshops and things of that nature, I talk about your, the, the process of building your own prison. Oh, and wow. we continually build, um, you know, it's brick after brick. And so every incident where I think someone is coming to get me, I'm building these bricks. And in my mind, I am protecting myself because I never want to be vulnerable again. I never want to be in a position where I can't do anything. And I'm angry at myself because why didn't I tell or why didn't I stop him from hitting me? Or, you know, so all of these things are going through your mind. And right. you're building brick after brick. And it's that woulda, shoulda, coulda. Why didn't I? I should have done this. I would have done what? that. Woulda, shoulda, coulda your way through and life. Say, you yes. say, keep, keep on going this story. So you're building your own prison. Keep talking about that because yeah. that's fascinating. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, building your, you're building your own prison. And here is the thing. You build your own prison, and that is just where despair, destruction, and um, distraction wants you. That's where despair and destruction wants you. Because, see, I have a belief that every person has a purpose through God. Right. Um, and I believe that you lock not only yourself in that prison, but you lock your destiny in there as well. So you're right. only locking yourself up. You're not, cause, because here's the reality. Life will still come with some disappointments. Life will still come 
with some hurt. But in the place of healing, you learn how to distinguish between what is someone really attempting to hurt you and what is something that is being triggered by my past experience. And then I learn how to respond either way. Right. I had to walk in forgiveness towards my uncle. Um, I couldn't hold on to that. I told someone last night, I did a Facebook live session um, with a private coaching group that I have. And I said, it's like standing inside of a prison with the key in your hand. Right. Right. You have the the forgiveness. Yeah. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I, for anyone, you know, listening, that's listening to the story and, you know, my type of abuse when I was a kid was different. It was, uh, you know, more surrounding me, the abuse of my mom, the alcoholism, my dad abandoning us, Mm -hmm. you know, another brother wrapped up in drugs and becoming homeless in his later years in life and not really even getting out of middle school because his drug use was so prevalent, even you know, as a middle schooler. And then another brother, you know, murdered um, because he was in that crowd that, uh, you know, was using drugs and and not in in a good place in life. And so, you know, in in the midst of all of that, there definitely was some neglect and other things, you know, that I had to suffer through, but not um, the same kind of abuse that was specifically targeted towards a child. And I have to say that uh, for anyone who's been abused as a kid, to take someone as loving and innocent and pure as a child who just has this unconditional admiration for, you know, an uncle or a brother Mm -hmm. or a father or a grandfather, and to twist and abuse that trust is one of the most wrong things that has nothing to do with you. It's one of the most evil things someone can do to you. Yes. And certainly you deserve that key to let yourself out of that prison of pain that you you are living in. And certainly it has nothing to do with you and you're in no way at fault. And you can would or should have could of your way. Oh, I should have left the room. I shouldn't have driven my bike into his yard. I shouldn't have gone in to see his puppy in the backyard. I shouldn't have gone over to his van to help him move something. No, you did nothing wrong. And you can, you can rework it through your mind like a pretzel any which way you can it will never end with being any way shape or form your fault absolutely and we have to um there's a section in my book where i talk about not carrying someone else's shame yes that is their shame and and you know the the other piece of it for me too as well is as we're talking about these um you know why and what it could have should have you know we sometimes don't want to admit this but god is included in that yeah. We ask him, why didn't you? You should have. Yes, and yes, and why maybe working through that anger towards God. Oh, and Vanessa, working, what a working. pleasure to yes. have you. I'm so sorry we're out of time. Thrive, a call oh, no problem. to healing. And again, Vanessa Johnson, what a blessing to have you on the show. Thank you so much for talking about a painful subject and helping other people heal. Thank you, Vanessa. Thank you so much. My pleasure. All right, if you are looking for the most amazing place to go with your family where you will create so many memories, then go to my favorite place that hopefully will become your favorite place, YMCA The Rockies. Two locations, Snow Mountain Branch and also Estes Park. They've got a deal now as you head into spring. Now, dates vary, but the deal is phenomenal. Three nights in a lodge room for $168, and it includes two free breakfasts, and you get almost all of the activities for free. You get to swim. You get to roller skate. At one of the locations, there's a lot of sledding. They give you the tubes for free to borrow. You can also pay a little extra for rock climbing. They've got a lot of neat events. But the cabin deal is also really good. A three-bedroom cabin you can get for as low as $145 per night. So it's a four-night stay in a three-bedroom cabin for $582. Call 888-613-9622.
888-613-9622. Or you can head to the website, ymcarockies.org. Hi, it's Angie with the good news. Well, the good news is that if you're feeling loss, a loss of a loved one, loss of a job, just feeling down and like you're stuck in the past, Sandy Steffes is a friend of mine. Sandy Steffes, Spirit Coaching, spirit-coaching.net, 720-353-9573. She has come up with a plan that helps you get unstuck, get out of the past, set goals, and move forward. If you'd like to work with Sandy, I highly recommend her. Again, Sandy Steffes, spiritcoaching.net, 720-353-9573. Your next shopping trip could change the lives of some very special people right here in Colorado. When you shop at ARC Thrift Stores, you'll not only save money, but you'll also give back to our community by helping people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, just like these ARC ambassadors. A lot of people, they have misconceptions about people with disabilities. A lot of them think that we can't do things that other people can do, and that's just not true. We can do what other people can do. It may take us a little bit more time to do it, but we can. We're just like any other human being. We have feelings and we have emotions, and if given the chance, we can shop. And I think that ARC has done a very good job at showing that. I like it there, and it helps me out to learn about reading off the labels and stuff. I like helping out different people, a lot of different people I help out. Find the ARC store near you at arcthrift.org. It's nonprofit, and it's a great company to work for and a great place to shop. And remember, every Saturday, you get 50% off most items in the store. Hey, it's Angie Austin. Do you want to lose weight, have more energy, sleep better, just feel better, live longer, not get sick? Yeah, me too. So a little over a year ago, my family started working with Dr. Joe, and he has helped us so much, especially with my mom. She's now walking again. Uh, She uses a cane, but she wears a pedometer as well, Dr. Joe. And every Saturday, you offer for all of us. We can come to your office, have a free workout, or just watch the workout and come and ask you questions and meet you. It costs them nothing, no obligation. I just want people to get to know you and your passion for health. Science says the key to sleeping better, the key to depression, the key to losing weight and balancing hormones is exercise. But not a lot of it, just 6 to 12 minutes a day. And so whether I'm working with Olympic athletes or professional athletes or mommies and daddies, people in their 50s, 60s, even 70s, on these workouts on Saturday at 8.30, man, we have a great time. And it literally is a 12-minute workout. It's all it is. And it's easy stuff to do. You work at your own pace and you get amazing results. Yes, yeah, so come to North Glen. Saturdays, it's free. How do they reach you, Dr. Joe? Call my cell phone, 303-349-6011. Again, 303-349-6011. Hello there, it's Angie Austin. One of my mentors on the line, Jim Stovall, he's written over 30 books, so seven movies under his belt, his own uh, movie studio, and we've got his column now, Wisdom for Winners, that we're talking about, and he says two of the most misunderstood words and concepts in our society are grace and mercy. So let's talk about grace and mercy, Jim, and why those words should be so important to us. Good morning. A happy Monday to you. All right, Jim, give us the lowdown. Well, grace and mercy, a lot of people confuse these two concepts, and they use them interchangeably, and they're both such important concepts. I wanted to uh, draw a distinction in this week's column. Grace is when we receive something we're not entitled to, Mm. and mercy is when we don't receive a punishment we are entitled to or we do deserve. And as we go through our day and uh, live and move and have our being and interact with other people, 
we need to give and receive both grace and mercy. And a lot of times we have a tendency to judge our own intentions, but judge everyone else's actions. Angie, if you and I were going to meet today at two o'clock and I'm there at two and you're not, I will say, what's the matter with Angie? Why can't she be here on time? You know, I got here on time. Why can't she be here on time? And that's the way we have a tendency to do something. However, if you're there on time and I'm late, I look at my intentions. Well, I meant to be here on time. I left early. Who can... Uh, who can anticipate this kind of traffic and who knew the elevator would be out and all of these other things. And so we tend to give ourselves a break and hold everyone else to this standard that we can't live up to. And what we need to do is hold ourselves to a high standard and give everyone else a little bit of mercy. And, uh, you know, you'll find your day going a lot smoother. And, uh, you know, some of the greatest wisdom is, uh, you know, we will be judged in the same way we judge others or judge not lest we be judged. And, I don't know about you and all the people listening to us now, but I need all the mercy I can get. And I think that sometimes maybe our own narcissism, like thinking our own sense of self-importance um, is what makes us feel offended when we feel someone else isn't, quote unquote, respecting us. But I love when you talk about Will Rogers and in his quote, because I remember this one, too. You want to talk about that? Well, Will, uh, probably the most famous person ever from my state here in Oklahoma, he was a Cherokee Indian, and he said, uh, never judge anyone unless you walked a mile in his moccasins. And when you really look at that and you, you think, why are they that way? What's caused this? What's behind that that's going on there? And once you look at it from that perspective, then you can understand how Will Rogers, who lived through World War and Depression and saw the best and the worst that our planet has to offer, you can understand his other famous statement, which was, I never met a man I didn't like. And you think, how can he say that? Well, when you look at the perspective and when you understand who they are and where they've come from, you can start to love everyone. Now, you may not like some of the things they do, but you can love the underlying person. Well, and I love the fact, you know, you talk about in the article about how Will Rogers and, you know, back in his day, was able to travel the world, uh, you know, when aviation was in its infancy. And so he met people of different cultures and saw so many different things in terms of what people had or didn't have around the world. And he might have found things objectionable, um, but he still was not one to judge others. He tried to see things from their perspective. Yeah, we as Americans have a tendency to be pretty biased and only when you've traveled a lot and you understand how people are can you start to have both grace and mercy. You know, a lot of times Americans, even if we travel abroad, we, we go from the airport to a resort hotel or whatever the case may be, and we really don't experience how other people live in the world. And uh, and the same thing's true here in America. I mean, there are people uh, within a few miles of where we all live that uh, we have no idea who these people are and how they live. And we need to make sure we understand who they are and what is possibly behind this action before we we really judge their behavior. Well, I'm now seeing the whole takeaway and the point of this column. So many people disagreeing politically, and you were saying uh, strive to disagree uh, without being disagreeable. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you need to understand. I mean, we just had the inauguration and followed by this uh, massive march around the world, and there's a lot of people on both sides of that. And what you need to be asked is not what are they doing? What has prompted this? What has caused this? Why is there this much anger? What is going on behind that? What do these people want or expect? And in some cases, they don't know what they want or expect. It's, it's amazing to me. And uh, we have to look at what has gotten us to this place. And that only
only comes into play when we take some responsibility and what can I do to change this? Mm-hmm. What can I do to change this? All right, Jim, your website? Jim Stovall, S-T-O-V-A-L-L, jimstovall.com. Thank you, Jim. You're still the best. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at angieaustinradio.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.